Red 5. I'm going in. <laughs> Alright, welcome once again to Trench Run Report, uh, where we are always looking for something to talk about Star Wars related, and l better late than never, we are discussing today the season finale of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and our overall thoughts about the entire season, which, as far as we know, is the only season up to this point, unless they announce a season two. So we are going to jump right into discussing episode six which was just part six which I know, no title for these episodes um but yeah this is this is this is probably the most this is the ep of all the disney plus episodes of shows that have been put out up to this point the most uh, anticipated yeah and the, the, I, that i would have the most to talk about for sure mm -hmm. <laughs> So I'm here, uh, I'm your host, Aaron Russo, and I'm here with... Uh, Justin Gray, standing by. And we also have, uh, uh, not present with us, Sean and Dave um, are going to... Uh, Sean's audio will be added later, mm -hmm. and then uh, David just couldn't make it, but uh, we'll maybe share some of his thoughts, mm -hmm. brief thoughts on the show, which were pretty straightforward. <laughs> yep. All right, so likes and uh, just jump right into likes and dislikes. There's a lot to like in this episode, so you want to start with your likes and dislikes, Justin? Oh boy, where where do I begin? Uh, well, overall, um, definitely a very satisfying conclusion to uh, the series, um, and. Strangely enough, I felt like it brought closure to characters that um, I didn't really think needed that kind of closure, but it happened anyway, and it, and it worked. Um, and it, like, there is just so much in this episode. Um, well, first of all, uh, Ewan McGregor very much shines as Obi-Wan, as always. Um, more so in this, um, th with him uh, carrying the emotional weight of the show, uh, and then Hayden Christensen as Anakin, as Anakin slash Vader, um, with a very powerful uh, performance uh, during the like at the end of the fight where. Uh, um, Oh, speaking of which, spoilers if you haven't seen the episode, <laughs> yeah. uh, but by now I'm pretty sure most of you have, um, but, um, okay, here we go. So, like, at the end of the fight where Obi-Wan cracks uh, Vader's helmet open, very similar to uh, how Ahsoka did in Rebels, um, and very, in, like, very similar way, kind of like poetry, because it rhymes, uh, kind of thing. And I was actually watching a TikToker that was talk, like doing a breakdown of that scene, 
where uh, um, where they uh, were kind of saying that lighting was definitely a play of telling a story um, where um, Anakin says I'm not your failure Obi-Wan it shows mostly blue mm-hmm. thus Anakin like leaking through saying yeah you're this is not your fault I made this call I am this now and then later on it turns red when he says in the same way I'm going to destroy you it kind of just shows that Vader has finally over, like overtaken Anakin at that point mm-hmm. and I definitely really liked how that played out mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah just, just probably like one of the most powerful Star Wars moments definitely on my top five uh, if we do a list of top five powerful Star Wars moments, it's definitely going to be on there somewhere. Um, what and uh, what? Uh, what else I like? I, I'd I'd have to say how everything concluded with Leia mm-hmm. um, on on Alderaan. Um, basically, everything that happened on at, on Alderaan with uh, Bail Organa mm-hmm. and uh, Leia and. Uh, how how Leia dresses now is now like bringing her character closer to uh, a new hope and the talk between uh, Obi-Wan and Leia um, mm-hmm. was fantastic yes uh, I loved how he was like uh, he he basically told her that he he knew her parents and that they sh- that she shares similar qualities that they had um and which was fantastic. I definitely uh, loved how he brought Anakin into it without like bashing him or like right. mm-hmm. revealing who he really is at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and like just the uh, um, like banter play between those two. It definitely shows that they're that. Those two definitely held the show um, overall, and uh, and I remember you saying, Aaron, that like the chemistry between them is definitely um, a big part of the show. And if that didn't work, then it wouldn't. Then yeah. the show would have probably uh, not worked as well. Yeah, definitely. And it, it def- and it definitely held through throughout the whole uh, series for me, anyway. Yeah. Yep. Same. Um, Another thing I liked, um, I, I'd have, I'd have to say uh, Owen and Baru. Um, de- I, I, there, there were some elements that I thought were okay, but I definitely thought um, uh, uh, Joel uh, Edgerton, Edgerton, yeah, uh, definitely shined as Owen. Um, and uh, in the talk that they had at, uh, with uh, the conversation between Owen and Obi-Wan at the end, that yeah, was definitely that a was good. really good one where Obi-Wan's yeah. like now finally going, okay, I'm going to back off. I'm going to let Luke uh, kind of just be a boy for right now. And then the rest will take care of itself later. Right. Um, and that, that definitely... Um, was like a, g- a good moment for Obi-Wan and then 
in turn, I I always kind of assumed Owen would be always the hard-headed person. And, it, yeah, he still is, but he didn't open up and let Obi-Wan, like, talk to Luke, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, added something to Owen's character. Yeah. Um, and uh, definitely made, him, made me uh, like him a little bit more. Um, so... And uh, and the uh, Qui Gon cameo, I really liked that, although be uh, albeit very brief. Yeah, um, brief de- de- and at def- the very end, tacked on at the end. <laughs> probably could have helped if it happened a little bit earlier, but okay. Um, the Force works in mysterious ways, kind of thing, but mm-hmm. fine, whatever. We got what we wanted. Right. Um, we all kind of just assumed that it was going to happen. It, it was definitely that Spider Man No Way Home kind of thing where people said that it was all going to happen, and it felt like if they didn't do it, they, they'd get some. Uh, right. Um, Especially the way they set it up mm-hmm. in the first. Yeah. first episode yeah you, even like bringing that up in the recap um, they kind of had to do something with it right um, but um, I'm just trying to think it, it's I, I wish I could say I watched it before I recorded but it has been a while uh, I've been kind of bus- personally busy but um Ian McDermott's cameo is pretty cool again albeit brief um but that that's all I can really say about actually you know what the score uh in this episode was really really good mm-hmm. um like that scene where Obi-Wan is like buried under those uh the, the big pile of boulders and he has to force his like force his way out um, with the help of uh, um, seeing his relationship to Anakin's kids, giving him the strength to do so, and then him facing Vader again. Um, I just love how the score kind of um, like put a lot of emotion to that. Um, and def- definitely a big applaud to uh, Natalie Holt and uh, Will- William Ross, who actually did more of the orchestration work, and he also like studied under John Williams. Really? Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, didn't know that. A really fun fact. In fact, uh, um, like not to sidetrack too much, but um, a fun Star Wars fact: um, during the year of two thousand two, there were two movies that John Williams did. Um, a Star Wars episode to attack the clones and Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets that had to be done within the same year. Now, he did, he wrote the music for both, but he couldn't do the orchestration for Harry Potter. So he, so he got um, William Ross, uh, a student, I guess he was a student of his, to do the orchestration uh, for Harry Potter that year. Huh. So, um, so he was like an understudy of John Williams mm-hmm. for a long time, or yeah, at least much. in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like to a point, like where it's kind of hard to tell who's or who's orchestrating and who isn't. Right. Um, whether uh, John Ross has like a musical resume, like as far as um, uh, like writing the music, I don't know. I'd have to do a little bit more homework on that. But, right. 
Um, yeah, that, that, that was just a fun side fact, but back to Kenobi. Um, if I had to think of any dislikes um, in the episode, it would probably have to be the um, little side story with Reva going to Tatooine. Um, and that kind of also... And, uh, some, and some elements of her story that didn't really uh, add up. And then there's other... And then the big one that kind of um, kind of gets to me is that her story is kinda, like Ezra from Rebels. It kind of just is hanging there right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, which kind of... At the same time, it kind of makes me excited for the character because it kind of... Uh, leaves like another story open for her um, j- but however like the part where she go like her motivation isn't super clear at that point yeah um, yep and I know they do throw a line in where Owen asks why you're doing this and she said justice but at that point it's like okay is it just justice for her because she got tricked by Obi-Wan is it um, we we can only assume that she doesn't know the um, Luke Skywalker's name at this point. Um, yeah, they, they, so she never hears not, his name. So, which I don't know if that would have uh, made the situation worse, but um, but I, I did. I remember talking with David about um, that scene, but he said that. Um, he did like how um, Order 66 did uh, affect her decision on, on whether to kill Luke or not. Um, and which I do agree on that. Um, and I really thought it was kind of neat how uh, uh, she could have gone the route that Vader did and just like uh, let. Uh, hate dictate her further decisions mm-hmm. um, but she did obviously didn't um, but yeah I, the it was probably the weakest part of the episode but one that didn't like completely kill it for me yeah um, but over but Reva overall in the series I liked I, I really thought um, she was a good addition to the Star Wars universe, um, and I am kind of, and I am also really excited to see where her story goes after this, mm. uh, or if they are going to do anything with it at all. I'm crossing my fingers. It's not like a Talia moment from The Hobbit where they just bring in a character like that and then just not like never kind of, visit it again. Yep. I feel like that was the. If they weren't gonna do anything with her again, they could have just as easily had her die. Yeah, and, and that mm-hmm. that would have also been a good ending. Like if she would have if she would have died at the end of the show, that could have still been a good story arc for her. Like if mm-hmm. she died, letting go of her hate, like in a peaceful way. But but I mean, I'm assuming that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things about the end of the episode, I think, that point to them leaving things open for them to pick up 
Reva's story, Obi-Wan's story, Qui-Gon, and all of it. Like there's they they I feel like they intentionally left left room for that. So, did you hear about that rumor that um apparently Kenobi was supposed to be like a trilogy? Yeah. Um, trilogy of movies? Yeah. Yes. Which um, that, Man, that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that amazing. definitely would have been uh, fascinating, but unfortunately, uh, with the box office um, flop that was solo, um, that didn't happen. Um, but there was already enough wrong with solo that it kind of bombed. And the big one was that it of all the res- they had to nine, do ninety percent of reshoots, um, like under a year before the movie was released and that is not cheap right so um but um that could be like a whole discussion for another episode yeah i'll def i'll def i'll uh give my overall thoughts uh after uh like of the series after uh aaron's likes and dislikes so uh, uh what were what were your uh highlights and uh man, moments oh man i mean very similar i mean Obviously, the highlight of the episode was the 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 duel between Obi Wan and Anakin Vader, um, which I think was it was definitely such a character driven moment, right? Like it was it was cool. Like visually, I like that they decided to do almost all the lightsaber action between Anakin and Obi Wan at night or in the dark, and really bring out the the lightsaber effects and like bring out the that that made the duel itself visually really like cool to look at and and like Mm -hmm. and i think that the dueling was great i mean it was good it wasn't super long um but for me the highlight of all that was the you know the dialogue between them throughout that time um and obviously um i think that the 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 moment where Obi-Wan's buried under the rocks and he's, you know, realize like he's finding his reason to fight and to stay alive is, you know, Luke and Leia mm-hmm. and that he, he, he has to find a way out of that situation. And I thought that was very powerful. Um, and obviously the, you know, from the point where he starts to really get the upper hand with Vader it was super like throwing all the rocks at him and then and then smashing his breastplate with the lightsaber and then and just like it was just like woo like and I, I like that they they cause I mean we know we know that both of them survived the duel but I like that they gave us like a moment where it was like oh he could have killed he could have killed him he absolutely had a moment where he could have finished him off and mm-hmm. killed Anakin, and then they have that dialogue, and he chooses not to. But like the highlight for me was the, just that that glimpse of his face in the helmet, and the way the voice was mixed between Hayden's voice, James Earl Jones, plus like the like the the, the way it's all kind of like. Mm-hmm. synthesized and like was just so haunting and so oh my gosh like like it it it, ma- it made it added 
texture and depth to it, it, it created it, it created a moment that made the bridge between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope even more like connected and powerful, right? Like mm-hmm. it gave you another moment between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope where Anakin and Obi-Wan have an encounter. They have a they have an interaction and it was so, so good. Ewan McGregor just absolutely killed it in that scene that was amazing I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was nominated for an Emmy for this show just because he was the main character and I think he did such a good job so that whole Vader Anakin Obi-Wan Ben Vader Anakin whatever <laughs> is was absolutely the highlight of the episode without question that was that was incredible um and the way that they, like you said, with the lighting and even with the things that Anakin says, like such a good, like, like just creating that, that tension about who Vader is, right? Like that he is still Anakin, but he's not. And because we know that eventually he does become Anakin again at the end of Return of the Jedi, I thought that it was appropriate for them to introduce that complexity about who's in that mask you know mm-hmm. it's not just Darth Vader because when you watch A New Hope before Revenge of the Sith it's just Darth Vader right it's not there's nobody else really there but okay. this really gave us that moment where we can we can connect Vader to Anakin mm-hmm. and to the history with Obi-Wan yeah and, and also it kind of brings more weight to when uh, Obi-Wan tells Luke that he betrayed and murdered your father it's like now now we can say that with a bit more confidence because those weren't his words originally they were from Vader himself right he's I killed Anakin yeah and I think that that was yeah that was I mean obviously when they made A New Hope I don't know that they you know I think that when they wrote that part of the story at the time not knowing there would be Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi that they probably intended for the story to be, no, Darth Vader and Anakin were two separate characters. Mm-hmm. Darth Vader was a bad guy, and he killed Anakin. Um, and then since they changed that in the original trilogy, then I think this scene just made that all the more believable and consistent. And, and, and it, it, again, it added, it added to, in a positive way, the rest of the Skywalker saga, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, no question that was the highlight of the episode, one hundred percent. I think the the most, but the I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like the the very similar. Like my highlight was, you know, obviously the conversation with Leia was very powerful. I think that might have made me more tearful even than the conversation with with Anakin in mm-hmm. many ways. Um, and I completely agree. Like that sh- that scene, because it worked for me emotionally. Like th- that proved that the story between Obi Wan and Leia through- throughout the season was worked. Mm-hmm. Because if it didn't, then we wouldn't feel as much during that scene. And the way they wove in like Leia's theme and the Force theme, I think during oh, that scene yeah. just. They, 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 it was a perfectly orchestrated Star Wars moment. They used the music, the characters, the dialogue. Everything was just perfect. And, and just the way that, Anna, that Obi-Wan, you know, like he, 
as much as he just saw how terrible and evil Anakin Vader is, but when he's talking to Leia, he puts a positive spin on it. Like, he doesn't bash Anakin or her father to to her. Um, I thought that was very touching, very good. Um, and that scene really probably had the biggest emotional punch for me. Um, there was just something about that, and, like, it just was so, so good. And they both performed so well in that scene. Um, and it was a perfect, you know, again, bridge to A New Hope. Like, it, it made you feel like you saw exactly, you know, like who those people were at that time and how they could end up being the people that you see in A New Hope. Leia, Obi-Wan, Bail Organa's not in A New Hope, but, like, he's referred to, mm-hmm. and that all worked really well. And I loved that scene. Um. Uh, yeah, loved the the whole thing at the end with with um, him showing up at the Lars homestead and and kind of acknowledging, kind of actually saying like essentially like Owen, you're right. Um, I'm gonna leave you alone. I'm gonna let him grow up and like I'm not gonna interfere. And he had peace. He was more at peace and at rest and not as as anxious about protecting Luke. Um, which I do think was purposely done so that if they decide to do any more work with Obi-Wan, whether it's a season two or if he shows up in other shows, like they gave, they gave, they gave that character permission to not just be, you know, sitting on Tatooine looking at Luke through binoculars for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether they do anything with that, either way, I still think that was a really effective thing. Like, that Anakin had, I mean, Obi-Wan had still, still feels responsible for Luke, but he's taking a more hands-off approach and he's not going to like micromanage Owen and, and Beru. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like the moment where he, Ben, where, where Owen asks him if he wants to meet Luke and he walks up and just that moment of him walking up to him. And then of course, like, I don't know that there could have been a better way to finally use the hello there line. Mm-hmm. I don't I mean I that was absolutely I mean that was perfect. Like they they waited and they used that line in, in the best possible way I think you could have used it in the show. Mm-hmm. Any other place they would have used it it probably just would have been like it would have been a fun cool thing, but it wouldn't have had the the power and weight. And yeah. like mm-hmm. like cuz that's the first thing he says well, is it it's the first thing he says to Luke? He says it to R2. He says it to R2, right. New Hope. Right. But it is like the first line that you hear. Um, from from Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. In, in A New Hope. So I thought that was really good. Um, and I did also obviously love the, the Qui-Gon cameo at the end. I do think that that was... Uh, it was great, but it was... Really felt tacked on. It just felt tacked on, which, again, also makes me think that they did that intentionally so that they could potentially bring that, bring that back in some way, shape, or form where Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan could be on screen again together uh, with him as a Force ghost and all that. Um, so that was more of just a fun, you know, cool, cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were definitely the highlights for me. I do think that the some of the other stuff was a little weaker. Um, 
but I like that Obi-Wan consistently was like aware that he was he was kind of jeopardizing the mission you might say by always being around that he had to keep going away to kind of like pull Vader away because he knew that that was everything that was happening was happening because Vader was after him and so he's always thinking about trying to help those other people by you know getting away from the other people who could be in danger because of where he is with them and I thought that was really cool it showed the 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 true like that Jedi kind of way of thinking of like self-sacrifice and 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 putting other people's welfare before your own Mm -hmm. um which I thought was cool um yeah I think I mean obviously I think the Reva storyline um I think it's really hard for that not to pale in comparison to everything else that was going on in the episode. Mm-hmm. I do think that the weakest point of that storyline was that I'm still not really clear, like, what her motivations were. Like, she just knew that there was a boy on Tatooine that was important to Bail Organa and Obi-Wan. Um, but there was nothing in the sh- in the episode that seemed to indicate that she understood who that boy was mm-hmm. other than the fact that he was important to Bale and Obi-Wan. So I don't know what, if it was like, I just don't know what her motive was. Like, why did she go to Tatooine to try to kill Luke? I, I don't know why. And so that made it harder for that part of the story in the episode to carry a lot of weight. But having said that, like, like you mentioned, the scene where she's Luke is there, he's vulnerable, he's completely helpless, she could kill him right there. And then she, that, that was really, the, the cool part was when, like, she was looking at Luke and then she saw herself there and then she saw Luke and then she saw herself there and, and that was compelling, like, that she was like, what am I doing? Like, I was that kid being hunted by a evil, angry Sith and then she realized, like, I can't, uh, I can't do that. No, that, 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 that's too far. And she recognized who she was becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just still not sure what, why she was there in the first place. Um, but I liked, I liked the dialogue between her and Obi-Wan when she oh, brings yeah. Luke back um, and they have that discussion. I thought that was really cool because like it, it, it was a contrast to his conversation with Vader. And then, so then when, she's, when, when he's saying to her... It's about your choices. Now you're free. You can. You've chosen to do the right thing, and you can continue to do that. Whereas Anakin just articulated a few minutes before the opposite. Right? Like this. I've made the choice to continue to be evil, and I still want to kill you and all that. Um, so I thought that was cool, and I thought that that interaction was still very powerful and mm-hmm. very appropriate. Um, the other side characters that didn't do too much for me, like the whole, like, the path story is cool, and I think there's more that can be told there, but I don't know that it was super impactful to the story. Um, As a whole? Yeah, just generally. Like, I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't, I felt like it was kind of like, it was well, cool. I thought it was cooler at the beginning of the season when, when we meet Tala and we mm-hmm. first are introduced to all that. Um, okay, yeah. And and the, and the previous episode where they're trying to escape and and all of that was was cool, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think I don't know that there's I don't know that I 
I would agree with you. Like, I thought Riva's character, I don't know. I I mean, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people who really, really think that the, the Inquisitor storylines in general were awful and that they ruined the show in some ways. Um, I didn't find that to be the case. I mean, I think it was definitely the weaker part of the show. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't like... I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was awful, and I thought Moses Ingram performed perfectly fine. Right. Um, and I that 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 idea the idea of the story of, of like a youngling who's at the Jedi Temple during Order sixty six sees Anakin killing younglings and is them, herself stabbed by Anakin, who then somehow survives and makes it all the way back to becoming the Grand Inquisitor, like, that's a compelling idea. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. That's a really cool way to give a, 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 an Inquisitor a backstory that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked all of that. Um, and I thought the Grand Inquisitor's performance was great. I don't think he was in this episode, though. Or he was a little bit. Yeah, he, he was a little bit. As, and I liked that scene where he was, like, kind of talking back to Vader. He was, like, trying to tell him, like, what are you doing? We can take these all these people out and we shouldn't just be focusing on Obi-Wan and Vader's just like totally blows him off mm-hmm. and the tension there which is all very consistent that's the thing I think that I liked is that the, the way that Vader the Vader's relationship with the Inquisitors even though it wasn't super highlighted in the show was very consistent with overall like just how Vader w- like would do it yeah like, like he's interact. he views the Inquisitors as less than him and just tools for his whatever he wants and mm-hmm. he doesn't care if they live or die and he doesn't care uh you know about what they think or say um it's very similar to to you know the way vader treats any imperial it's like mm-hmm. you do this you messed up you die and again it's just that's how he is right <laughs> congratulations you are promoted now <laughs> well, even that scene, right, where, where he, he says, kneel before me, and she's not sure if she's getting promoted or executed, right? It's like, and I think that that was all very consistent, and I, I didn't see a problem with any of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that I had any strong dislikes in the episode. Um, I, I think the, my strongest dislike would just be that I just didn't understand Reva's motivation, for showing up at Tatooine and and wanting to kill Luke, mm-hmm. I just don't, that was just never clear, and that's a that's a problem, right? Like the the story is coming to a climax. We should understand what the motivation of the characters are. Yeah, and I didn't understand her motivation. And, and a lot of it um, might be because of deadlines. Um, I feel like there are a lot of things that pro- if they had enough time, like with the Mandalorian um, and, and it is something that I kind of did notice in the book of Boba Fett as well like some of the things um, didn't look as clean some of the um, like sets were kind of like a little bit more um, like you can, you, can, you, can, you can definitely tell that the volume was used mm-hmm. um, and that there were um, like moments where it felt like like that editing kind of um, it feels like the editing team wasn't like on like point with communication in some some uh, shots. Yeah. Um, well, even some of the stuff that like came the out, sh- the shaky cam that I felt like that 
maybe could have uh, been caught a little bit sooner. Um, but at this point, like doing reshoots is expensive, and plus they also had COVID mandates. They were shooting this during a pandemic. There was there's a I I did remember watching the last episode um, on my phone and on the smaller on a smaller screen. It was like okay, it looks fine. And then I uh, moved into a, an apartment uh, not too long ago, and and I got my uh, big seventy inch uh, mm-hmm. all set up and like hooked up my PS5 and watched Kenobi uh, which fantastic by the way um, and, I, and I still strongly believe that a good way to watch Star Wars is on a big on the biggest screen possible mm-hmm. and uh, but um, I did notice that while watching Kenobi like on a bigger screen the shaky cam was a bit distra- more distracting than it was watching it on a smaller screen so, that makes that um, makes sense. It was a little, little bit more noticeable. Yeah, I think t- uh, now would be a really good time to ins- insert uh, Sean's opinions. So uh, we'll be listening to what he has to say. I'll preface my thoughts by saying uh, it is really fun to watch Star Wars with anyone, uh, especially fans of Star Wars. It's not as fun watching alone, and that is an unfortunate fact of life in this streaming era but just it was fun watching this finale with you guys uh, whatever it was five in the morning that day um that's you know that made the experience really good um and it was i think the best episode of the show having had some space with it i've watched it all kind of almost in one sitting or in you know just a few sittings um kind of watched it straight through i do think it does better that way i think it's obvious that the show was originally conceived as a movie um, or even a trilogy, the first of a trilogy. Anyway, this episode, I think um, I think it delivered the emotional payoff that the show had been building to. I would say, I would characterize it as the show, I would say, stumbled into a great finale, right? I think it ended on a high note. It didn't burn out or fizzle out. Um, I felt like I was nervous going in, you know, to to this finale, kind of seeing where we had gone, especially with somewhat of a downward trend from episode three, four, especially. But then five had some high points in it, but also some like really baffling writing choices and some like weird twists and turns. Like the writing overall didn't give me, um, it didn't wow me. It didn't, and you know, in fact, it made me kind of go, huh, sometimes and almost to diminish my experience. Um, is this plot contrivances? It's kind of it's very Disneyfied, right? Which is, I guess, to be expected at this point. Um, but it's like they had certainly the ending, if not some of the major plot points, they had those in mind, and they just kind of rushed to get from point A to point B to each major plot point, especially rushing to the end. Like they just kind of stumbled into the ending, and like wrote lazily to get there, um, and just be like asking the audience to just go along for the ride, don't ask questions, don't peek behind the curtain, right? But I think. You know, like Game Game of Thrones and other shows like that. Like, modern audiences are much more savvy, and I know this show. What's weird about the show is it's Disney Plus. You know, it is TV fourteen or whatever, so it's maybe aimed at teenagers, I guess. But even teenagers and other shows for teenagers are smarter than this, and you can trust your audience with a smart script and don't have to hold their hand the whole time. So, I know it is Disney. Disney likes to hold your hand the whole time, 
but I feel like they could and should, especially with a show like this, should have um, trusted the audience more and not held their hand the whole time and just kind of pull us along on the ride, right? And like ride the rails, you know, <laughs> like, like it's kind of like, a, you know, a ride at Disney World or whatever, where they're just kind of just go for the ride, ex, you know, experience it, consume the content, right? Um, and stay subscribed, right? So I don't know, a little cynical about it, but I didn't love the writing. I thought, you know, some of it was, was kind of dumb. It picked up a little bit in episode five, but the major problem I have with the finale is um, Reva's inclusion. Like her story really should have and kind of did in a way end uh, when she was stabbed by Vader. I don't understand. It's not explicit. It don't, I don't understand what she knows about Luke. Does she know Luke is Vader's son? She knows that Vader is Anakin. She knows that. That's fine. And that's fine to know. Um, I don't know how long you can live knowing that. And I don't know how people keep surviving stabbings of lightsabers. And I don't know why Vader can't, like, they never show Vader actually killing anyone important. They always just kind of, everyone just kind of leaves each other for dead. And that always comes back around. Like Grand Inquisitor left for dead. He's coming back. You know, we see Qui-Gon gets stabbed, right? And he's dead. Um, I don't understand how she possibly survived or why Vader wouldn't kill her off. Why? And now it's not explained why Vader left Obi-Wan at, when he defeated him the first time. Why did he like, not cross the fire that he had just put out with the Force? Why did he let him go only to immediately be like, we need to find him? And then, you know, he also kind of let him go in, in this fight, although he was, you know, severely defeated. But he's obviously back on the warpath, and they kind of just conveniently wrap it up and explain with the Emperor's presence, which was great to see. You know, he was in full, you know, Return of the Jedi makeup mode. It was great. But he kind of calls him off, right? So, like, I'm wondering, like, where, like, we could have had the Emperor this whole time. Like, it would have been cool to structure this show of having uh, having Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon discussing each other or discussing matters, right? And we can get a peek into into Obi-Wan's mental state and his like thought process by kind of conversing with his master. And then parallel to that, we could have had Vader and Palpatine talking in a similar way where Palpatine is manipulating Vader or trying to cool Vader off. And we get, uh, we get insight into, you know, Hayden Christensen uh, as Vader's thought process of why does he want Kenobi? Like, what is he, what is he doing? We don't get that. We do get, enough Vader and not too much Vader, which is good. I'll give, I'll give the show a point for that. Um, they used enough Vader uh, as a spice, right, um, perfectly. Like you, if you're doing a dish, you don't want too much of one spice or the other or not enough. They get just enough. I don't want Vader. Um, I don't necessarily want a Vader show. I want, I think Vader's best used, just put him in sparingly. Um, he's almost like the inverse to uh, Grogu where Gorg was a little bit overused, and I f would fear that Vader would become too familiar. Um, he is, you know, his green presence is um, arresting, right, in the original trilogy. I think between episode four and five, he is not in the screen very much, like for, you know, just a few minutes per movie, and then a little bit more in Return of the Jedi. But, like, in the scope of three movies, he's only in, he's on screen, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, and it's, like, perfect amount. So I think... Um, it would have been, yeah, just cool to have the show I expected, or I guess the show I thought we would see is the show that was set up in this finale, right? So it's like, oh, Qui-Gon appears, and in many ways, Obi-Wan, he's back where he started, but he also, he's already gotten kind of that, um, he's gotten past the cynicism. I think it would have been more interesting for me to see 
the like internal personal struggle leading up to a personal battle with Vader that answers the question, you know, when I last left you, I was the learner, now I'm the master. You know, they did answer that by getting Vader's butt whooped in the fight, sure. Um, but I think it's strange because it was set up as like one of us is going to die or like Vader's like, dude, you come here to kill me. And he says, I'll do what I must. And that it's strange that one of them didn't leave dead. Um, I know that's because both of them will continue in the story, but it's like the problem with this show and the problem with this time period that they keep exploring, like Disney isn't branching out um, into new characters. Like they don't, they don't have trust in new characters. They only kind of, they heavily rely on this, the nostalgia factor. There was no real stakes for this show. Um, we know where they've been and where they're going. We don't know enough or care enough about new characters they introduce that may or may not die, right? So like we don't care about Wade, but we're supposed to, but he dies when we don't care um, because there was no setup for him. There's no, like they didn't put in the effort to build it up. Um, so like we know every time Obi-Wan and Vader are gonna show down that no one's dying. Um, you know, it's interesting to see like what happens between them, but it's also been confusing. Um, I think they did like a lazily effective or a minimally effective job of explaining like how it is that Leia doesn't seem to know or recognize Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope as him just saying like we have to keep quiet about this and it'll endanger us both if someone finds out about kind of this adventure. So in her message to him, she has to like be more formal. Okay, fine. It, it's serviceable, but it's like also like, okay, well, that's like lazy. I don't know. Like our working theory before this, right, would have been much better, I think, which is if she, uh, if they skipped like episode four, if episode four was something else, if she didn't get recaptured at the end of episode three, if she instead, like she's only in the first half of the show and she gets back to Alderaan and then she's out, she exits stage left and then the rest of the show is just Obi-Wan and Vader going to a showdown, then it's just Leia was rescued by a Jedi she knows as Ben. Um, I don't, I didn't like that she knew him as Obi-Wan Kenobi was there every episode, had literally had nothing to do in episode five except they like literally put her like out of sight and she's spending the whole episode working on the wiring, which seems weird that you would put a 10 year old up there for something super important like that and not have like anyone else kind of like helping or whatever, I don't know, just, they literally just didn't know what to do with her, put her up in the little, the little area out of sight and she didn't do anything that episode. And that's proof to me that like they shouldn't have had episode four at all they should have just had that be something else. That whole rescue plot didn't need to happen. She didn't need to get captured again, only to be rescued again. And they just kind of wanted her in there and didn't know what to do with her, ultimately. Um, so I think that, I don't know, again, it's just like lazy. Like, I don't know how you put something together like this all the way through production and have these like amateurish, like, I don't know, I've seen fan fictions that are better, like fan films and things that have better structure and better like they have better writing if that like usually the delivery is off because there's a, like usually amateur actors or just like you know not like god tier actors so like their execution of the lines is bad but like it has like better structure plot where it's like oh that's clever or, oh like that was subversive or whatever like i don't know like how it is that disney can't hire people like that like it just makes no sense other than are they just hiring cheap people they can control right like aspiring folks in the industry who want to have Disney on the resume, and Disney knows that, so that, and they can pay them cheap because Disney, at the end of the day, Disney is about making money on the cheap as, you know, like a minimum viable product, it seems like they don't have like the standard of excellence 
of like the John Hammond, uh, we spared no expense mentality of like grand wow factor. They seem to have like lost that. It's kind of riding on its like almost reputation more than it's like earned um, goodwill. Like I just don't think that they're delivering consistently excellent content like they used to when they, you know, if you think back, yeah, like in the 60s, 70s, and then in the 90s, there was no second place, or if there was a second place, it was a distant, distant, distant second to Disney's like content. Like what else in 1995 compares to Lion King that was out there for kids? Nothing, right? So I just think they have stronger competition today in other studios and other content, um, and they're weirdly like not upping their game to to hit it. Um, and this show, to me, like I felt like they were supposed to kick it up a notch with the show. At least in my head, it was like the show needs to be above and beyond even The Mandalorian, um, and it just didn't. Like, I would say it's ultimately a disappointment, the show overall to me. Um, I was not consistently wowed. There was a few high point moments that worked both within the story and just worked for me as a Star Wars fan. But having some distance on it, like I'm also like aware that that was, it's the same feeling you get when you like, um, I don't know, like come across something else nostalgic in your life or like you have like, oh, like, oh, I got some Sour Patch Kids or some other kind of treat or novelty. There's like the hit of like, oh, I haven't had cotton candy in 20 years or whatever. And you eat cotton candy and then you're like, that was good. But like within two minutes, you're like, I'm not satisfied. And like, I wasn't even worth it. Like that was a lot of calories for no reason. So it's like, I think that they are using the cheap, like it's a cheap shot almost to use the nostalgia hits. Like, hey, look, here's Anakin and, uh, and Obi-Wan rehearsing a lightsaber battle look at that, right? Um, and we we're like easily distracted by the shiny objects like that or we're like easily drawn like a drug addict from hit to hit to hit of nostalgia hits. And I think they kind of know that and they're like stringing us along. Um, and it's cheap in the sense that like um, it doesn't fully satisfy. It's not like, I don't know, it's, it's like junk food to me. Uh, that's how I just, I, I feel like we're being fed a little bit of junk food and we're being doled out these doses of nostalgia hits like a drug dealer would do um, to keep us hooked on the service um, and it's like they're giving us enough that we can't like go well there's nothing for me here so I'm not gonna watch it at all because it's like well I can't miss the return of Hayden Christensen right um, but it's like they're not fully utilizing like those that talent those people like these are people that we don't have around forever especially the original cast like they're getting older and older and just like you have to I just don't, overall, I've said this before, I don't get the sense that Disney has like this caretaker mentality that they are like the humble stewards of something that is bigger than themselves. They have the like, we own it, we are gonna do what we want to make money with it mentality, um, or to keep you subscribed in this case. But they're also kind of figuring out that model. Like it's, they're used to like, let's make animated movies and sell merchandise. And they're still good at selling the merchandise, but you know, kids are, Kids don't buy merchandise as much. Like if you look at who's buying merchandise, it's not kids, it's those kids' parents uh, for the parents, right? They're buying it for their own like setups. They're not, like kids don't collect toys anymore in general. Like they collect digital stuff or they just like access digital content. So I think like Disney's kind of trying to figure out where it sits in this new era. Um, and unfortunately the, the show is just to me like a, a point of them still figuring it out when it should have been and I hoped it had been a high watermark point of like truly in the same vein as 
this is Star Wars Episode 3.5. Like, this is in the same tier as the prequel films and the sequel, or the, the sequels to the prequels of the original trilogy. And I think it fell short. And I think, had it been a movie, had it been done right, I think it would have worked as a movie. Um, which would have had a backdoor to like a possible trilogy. Like, sure, you can have you can explore Obi Wan. Now he's at this point of like he's reconnected with the Force and he's ready. Again, I was like, man, like the movie that we got at the or the the story we got at the end of this show is the story I want to see, right? And I don't know if we're gonna get it again, um, like a sequel or something. But like, it's just like, man, that could have been where we started this show. Is like we get he's he is communing even if it's just over voice with Qui-Gon and eventually he gets to see him in person. Um, but have the like intensely personal character drama instead of a weird uh, Disney-fied hold your hand ride that we got. So I guess that's how I characterize it. It was a, it's a ride, it's like a manufactured ride, it's passive, Obi-Wan isn't much of an agent for anything in this story. He's not the one driving the plot. Um, and. The interpersonal stuff isn't either, which is what I thought it would be. I thought it would be a, a character study. Um, there's rumors about like, oh, the original version was really dark, so they changed it. Like, well, I want to see that. Like, tell me more about that original version, right? Um, so, all I have to say, um, that kind of covers the finale and and the show. I think, um, you know, the highlights were again. I think the showdown with um, with Vader and Obi Wan was really well done. Um, I didn't. Uh, although I don't, I still don't like the shaky cam. I don't like how it was. Um, the action part was directed. I think that the direction around, like when his uh, mask was cut open and the play of the colors of the blue and the the red and the blending, um, and like the blending of the voices, that that was like that landed. That was effective. Um, Ewan McGregor gave it his all, right? I think that he should be commended for that. Um, but again, I just don't like. I don't like the shaky cam. I'm not sure if I love the lightsabers, how they do, how the, like the, the Disney era handles lightsabers in general, like the look of them, how they kind of move in space, right? How, how the actors use them is different than the prequel era. Now I know you could say, well, that's because they were like classically trained in the prequel era and now like they're more or less, I mean, it doesn't work for Obi-Wan as much, but certainly like Rey or Luke, they're not trained from birth to use lightsabers. So they're kind of like clumsy with it. Um, but I think like you can tell they're using like the actual full color effects ones on set um, instead of like the ones that they do in post-production where they can like really whip them around faster. So I think like, you know, with the weird, like some, the lightsaber like bounces off people sometimes and it's like some weird things like that or why does it take three or four chops to kill a stormtrooper with a lightsaber? Um, they're consistent, but it's annoying to me. Like, I just, I don't know, like it doesn't feel the same. The general feel of it, like part of what makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars is those dynamic like wipes they do and those like establishing shots or like ships landing or like kind of overview shots of planets or this and that. I feel like that kind of stuff um, was missing and um, makes it not feel as much like Star Wars. Like it's easy to add those wipes and I know they probably don't want to, I know I was complaining about nostalgia earlier, but I feel like that's just like kind of almost like the genre that Star Wars is. It's like its own genre, and this is part of like the rules of the genre that you use, is you use those wipes, you use, you know, in the music, right? The music in Star Wars is a main character, and I didn't love the music in this. I think it was generic, weak. I don't remember anything that the composer did. I don't remember any themes. Nothing is sticking with me. Obviously, the Obi-Wan theme itself, which is throughout, is there. 
Um, you know, I love George uh, John Williams, but I think that Obi Wan theme itself was just okay to me. And you know, it is his theme, and it's like his last thing that he's putting out there, because I feel like the music um, was distractingly not good to me. Like it's supposed to take you on this journey, almost like a silent film would have the orchestra playing, and it's supposed to like evoke like what's going on, like a like a true space opera or like a soap opera, like the music is part of it. And it just didn't do it until like in the very end we started to get some hints of some of the themes. Um, and I'm like, yes, there we go, finally. But it was too late, too late. So it's like too little, too late, I guess is how I would, the, the super elevator version is like the show is just too little, too late as far as like what happened in the show. I think I have to give it as a show overall, like a 6.5. I just don't know, like if I'm gonna sit down and rewatch Obi-Wan again. Um, just because it has like these kind of baffling stupid decisions that are made and like I didn't like uh, I didn't say this earlier but I didn't I didn't love how like Reva again she had like she it was very confusing what she was up to or why she was doing what she was doing in the finale and I just didn't like that she redeemed herself like that's not interesting at the end of the day like she something else didn't stop her from killing Luke except her own like at that moment she had the self-realization that like oh I'm turning into Anakin and it's like, I don't, like that's lazy, like nothing, it'd be more interesting to have something else kind of prompt that in her and like, I don't know. And then um, and then for Obi-Wan, I don't know, like I know Obi-Wan's like a Jedi and a good guy, but it's like at the same time, like geez, like one act of non-aggression, like it was, I wouldn't even call it compassion. It's like, it's not compassionate to like not murder a kid, <laughs> but like, or like to, to intend to murder a kid and then decide not to, you shouldn't get like a badge for that. Be like, oh, you're a good person. It's like, well, you thankfully didn't do a bad thing, but we need to get you like mental health help right now because you're like almost murdered a kid, right? But it's like, she's done all kinds of horrible, terrible things ostensibly to get revenge on Anakin. But it's like the logic of like, oh, Anakin killed all my friends. So I'm gonna kill a bunch of people who have friends um, to kill, to get close to Anakin, to kill him back for revenge. like or I'm, you know, literally going to kill this other kid, right? I don't know, just strange to me and, I don't know, just kind of forced and contrived and... Disney cannot just have a bad female, like a, a female villain who's just bad, like, which is ironic because they used to, like Cruella de Vil, uh, Ursula, like all these, there's these bad guys, like the, the, the witch from, the, from Sleeping Beauty, like they used to have that stuff and I don't know, like in this modern era, they just cannot have a just legit bad villain who's a woman like that's more interesting. Like, what if it'd be cool to see Riva going down the same path as as Anakin went, even in this episode? Like, don't do it with Luke because that breaks continuity. Just have her do something else bad or something. They could have worked her out differently. Where you can keep her alive, you don't have to kill her in this one show. You can bring her into other shows, but like, have her be the bad guy. Um, that's fine. I don't know why they have to have them have a redemption arc every time. I know that Star Wars is like the redemption arc, but. Um, I just for once want to see them try something different, right? So I think I've been talking too long, um, but those are my thoughts. I give it a 6.5 overall. I don't know, just the whole kind of sh package as it, as it is um, has too many dings against it for me to give it higher than 6.5. And we're back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to just kind of talk what we thought of this series overall. And... Uh, like what we took away from it as uh, Star Wars fans. So, mm -hmm. uh, like, what what was like the um, so I, I 
like between like definitely with uh, you and me uh, on Trentron, uh, we kind of had a very interesting experience with uh, being introduced to Kenobi because uh, we didn't watch it um, as a full-on crew with uh, um, Sean and David. Uh, like we did with uh, Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian viewings, um, and Bad Batch. Um, so, uh, what? So, what? What? What did you? What did you think of like seeing Kenobi in like a very unique way? Um, you mean as a Star Wars fan for the first two episodes? You mean, or just in general? Um, the first two episodes and like the ser- then like later on as the series went on. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, because we were at Celebration when the first two episodes dropped, and I think that, um, on the one hand, that made it a really cool, you know, it was like, we're, we're in Anaheim at Star Wars Celebration when the premiere happens. Um, we ended up having to watch it, like, late at night in our mm-hmm. hotel room on an iPad, which was probably not the most exciting way to do it. Um, and I was still a little bit frustrated with the whole thing about the panel and how only the people at the panel got to see this amazing like I just mm-hmm. I think that took away from my ability to really just enjoy the first two episodes um, but after re-watching them even when we were still in California and then when I got home um, it definitely grew on me and like I, I liked it um, and I mean it was cool to, to see those two Episodes, first two episodes while we're at Star Wars Celebration, obviously. And, like, you know, going there the next day and everybody's seen it and talking mm-hmm. about it and whatever. Um, then then meeting Obi-Wan himself. Yeah, then, yeah. I mean, that, that was the day after, right? That yep, Thursday? That was, that was the... That was Friday. Friday. Friday after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of that was very, very uniquely kind of magical experience. Um, and I think that... Um, by the time you know you watch the whole season, um, yeah, it's good, good stuff. And I mean, are we going to talk about like the whole season like, mm-hmm. overall? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think that um, for me, this was personally for me, this was this was the best thing I've that I've. This is the thing I enjoyed the most uh, as a whole season. Of anything that's been on Disney Plus so far, for me. Oh, okay. For sure, um, I love that it was one story. There was no filler. It was just six episodes, and each episode was the next chapter in the story. M- maybe you can make the argument that the filler episode was the Inquisitor Fortress, you know, in when oh, okay. they rescued yeah. Leia. But that was still all very much a part of the story. Um, so I love that. I kind of I prefer that. I prefer to just, you know, tell me take the whole season and tell me one story. There can be side things going on, but I I don't like it when I watch an episode of a show, and even if it's whether it's good or bad, and it has zero impact on what happened in the, in the previous episode and what will happen mm-hmm. in the next episode. It can still be character building, and it can still help you to understand the characters better and I think that that's a valid thing to do but I feel like in the other shows it's it's sometimes it's just like I could have skipped this episode and mm-hmm. I still would have understood the entire story so I really like that about it um, and I loved I just thought that the story was good I thought that it was a great um, overall 
the the progression of Obi Wan's character in the show was really good. Um, who he was at the beginning to who he was at the end, very powerful. Um, and it just I, I just I I was very very. But by the time the last episode dropped and I had a chance to rewatch all of it and rewatch the last episode many times, I was like, it, it felt like. It just it it sits in a very firm place in Star Wars canon for me. Like this was a canon series, and it was you know other things that like Mandalorian, it's canon right, but it's very separate in many ways from most of the rest of the Star Wars saga. Um, but it's in universe right, and it's and it has connections, loose connections. Um, which is fine. I'm not saying that that's bad at all. But um, this just felt like like, like a episode three and a half mm-hmm. or episode, you know, is a prequel or a sequel to episode three or a prequel to episode four. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like that, that all worked for me very, very well. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I definitely... Didn't I mean? I know there was a lot of different opinions out there about you know how good the show was or wasn't. I loved it. Uh, and Disney's I, uh, War on Boys. What? 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 War on Boys. Yeah, there's there like a YouTube video where they like uh, they were angry because uh, Leia kind of hogged up a lot of the show, and apparently they were like, "Oh, it's Disney just trying to take Star Wars away from the boys." And I was like. Uh, that's not what I got out of I, I have no... I, yeah, yeah, apparently that, that stuff is out there. I have never watched Star Wars. There's never been a time that I can think of where I watched Star Wars and thought, oh, this is just some cultural or political agenda with Star Wars slapped on the label. I, I have never... I didn't feel that at all with Ray. I didn't feel that with... There were some scenes, you know, like maybe in Last Jedi when Leia and Holdo are kind of like poo-pooing on Poe Dameron or whatever. But like, I thought that was just... That's just like typical, like, you know, like... I I, I don't don't know. I just... I don't know where people are getting this idea that there's like... I mean, I just don't see it. When I'm watching, I've watched other media where you're like, oh my gosh, like this is just... The, the, the boys. It's the, just an agenda. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I see, even in the newest Star Wars. I, I just don't I don't get the sense that they're doing this heavy-handed, woke agenda that's ruining the, the franchise. I don't know where people are getting that. I just don't, don't know where that's coming from. Um, I don't see a, an agenda either way. I just... I mean, what, what do you mean? Like... Leia is a major part of the story, like in the whole story, right? Like, right. and like, you can't like. Wh- why would you be complaining that Leia, like, it's Leia, like, and you? I think that you, you, it was better that they focused on Leia than Luke. I didn't want Luke. Luke's a little bit more, like, it's a little bit more important that Luke be removed mm-hmm. because of how his story unfolds in A New Hope. Like, he's just a farm boy, so he can't really go on an adventure and then 
later be a farm boy who's never gone on an adventure. (laughs) Whereas Leia lives on Alderaan with a very powerful family who's very high profile. And so it makes more sense for that to happen. Um, So I don't know, war on boys, whatever that, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I would say just like... I, I... For, for me personally, I, I just blotted out. I mean, I, I haven't really explored Star Wars YouTube in a very long time, mainly because of that kind of stuff. But oh, if I if I really had to look at uh, Obi- the series Obi Wan uh, Kenobi, at, like with my experience with it, I had a blast. Yeah. I mean, uh, like even and uh, yeah, I. I, and yeah, I do agree with you. It would have been cool to be be there in, during the prem, premiere premiere on big screen. Uh, that was it was kind of frustrating that it was kind of unclear what the plan was for premiering that and right. how it, and how and how that played out. Um, and that the release time was very inconsistent. Right, they changed um, it like that night. Yep, they changed it from midnight to nine o'clock right. because of the backlash. And, Probably and it just kind of made it uh, not better, but um, but yeah, watching the first two um, was definitely a treat. Um, and then the next day, meeting Obi Wan, I still kind of have to keep reminding myself that that happened. Uh, not that not that I could could forget, ever forget something like that, but it just kind of doesn't feel real. Um, Right, and I actually watched the Phantom Menace not too long ago, and that fight scene between uh, Maul and uh, Obi Wan. I was like, "Dude, that's a man." I live in a reality where I met both of them. <laughs> I could go back in time and tell my younger self that that the that, that happened. He would call uh, BS on that, and I thought that was kind of super cool. Um, but yeah, even a- but even after uh, the um, first two episodes and watching, um, like even waking up uh, three o'clock, like four four o'clock in the morning to watch Kenobi because like half of the time that um, Kenobi was being released, I was up in Howard City, so I had to naturally get up earlier to go to work because of a forty minute drive. But I would actually get up a little bit earlier on Monday, I mean Wednesdays, to watch Kenobi. And. Kazoom. Yeah. Kazoom tight. Yeah, get, yeah, zoom tight. <laughs> <laughs> That's not in the episode. That, that won't be in the episode. <laughs> um, but even watching that early in the morning and then coming at then at then having the whole day of like people asking me at work have you seen the have you seen it yet it's like yes i have yeah and they're like oh don't spoil it because i haven't seen it like okay then nice talk (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it it definitely definitely star wars like um if there's if Star Wars is active then conversation with people is definitely mostly active and that's definitely uh the case at work or anywhere right um and then after work I, I really loved how we gathered at David's place to watch Star Wars and talk talk about Star uh um, Obi-Wan 
and, and doing these uh, Obi-Wan episodes that are a part of the Trench Run Report line. Um, and then the finale, uh, where we all got up a little bit earlier, uh-huh. uh, I mean, a little bit more so to cook everybody breakfast, which, again, I'm not... I'm, Actually, I don't know why I said again, but anyway, I don't cook. Like, that is not my forte. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, apparently Jake said I did a pretty decent job, so I... Oh, I would agree. Uh, I mean, I guess that's something I learned about myself. <laughs> um, but, hey, but yeah, just watch... just. I feel like this is like anything with Star Wars, um, especially new new Star Wars. Is that I've watched it with people that mean a lot to me, and that it's like whenever uh, whatever Star Wars story, good, bad, or otherwise, uh, it's a journey that you take with people, mm-hmm. um, and def- and uh, I really thought I was gonna go in the future like kind of close it off and watch Star Wars by myself probably just the same six movies plus the Clone Wars but I am happy to say that I do have Star Wars journeys that are with some Star Wars fans that are in themselves amazing amazing people so um, yeah I think that's part of what makes especially a series like this where I mean for the most part um Everybody's enjoying it, and everybody's really appreciating, you know, what what they're getting, and how significant this series was to just the overall, you know, Star Wars canon, the Star Wars story. Um, and there's a lot of people, like you know, there's a lot of people who watch Obi Wan and and who've seen all the movies and and enjoy the show. But maybe it doesn't have quite that impact, you know. Mm-hmm. Like for me, by the time they got to the finale, like I, I was, it was like, it was a, it was an emotional week, like mm-hmm. just watching that episode over and over again, and like, and it really hit me as, you know, like I was saying, like this is was like, I view it as like, almost like, episode three point five, like. It was six hour, six episodes telling one story, very much connected to the movies and the characters in the movies and the stories in the movies and everything. And it was this uniquely um, special Star Wars moment. Those six weeks or five weeks, it was ended up five weeks because they released the first two episodes. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just another, you know confirmation of like you know how fortunate we are I know there's a lot of buzz right now about a lot of different things in terms of movies and I am really that is a frustrating thing for me like just the fact that it just seems like Star Wars movies are just I don't know have no idea what's going to ever happen with those mm-hmm. I hope I hope I'm just hoping at this point that we get a Star Wars movie before I'm 60 <laughs> right <laughs> like they start talking about 2023 2025 2027 I'm like hey guys can right. we get a Star Wars movie before my 60th birthday that would be nice mm-hmm. like <laughs> I'm, I'm not feeling old but not, if, you, if you don't get a movie out here pretty soon I'm gonna be like retirement age before <laughs> before a movie comes out but 
Um, I think that this episode, this season, this this show, and everything that's coming up um, for the next foreseeable year and a half to two years, there's a lot more to come. A lot more of the, you know, a lot more Star Wars to enjoy on our own and as as fans together, and that's exciting. All right, so uh, I think it's time to fa- grade the final uh, episode, uh, part six of Kenobi, and then uh, we'll be uh, grading the series as a whole. Um, so uh, what, what would you grade the... First, what would you grade part six, and then later on, what would you uh, grade like the series as a whole? Um, I think I would give the final episode 9.5. Oh, okay, that's pretty really high. I'd say nine point five. Um, I the the point five that I took away from a ten would just be because of the Riva situation where I didn't understand exactly why she was so hell bent initially on killing Luke, and that was a pretty big n- negative mark against the episode. But everything else, in my opinion, was so good and so meaningful and so powerful. So nine and a half out of ten for the final episode. And for the season as a whole, I'd say that I, I, I debated back and forth a lot of times in my mind over, you know, where exactly the whole season would fall. But I think that given, like, ha- having watched the whole season and having some time to watch, rewatch a lot of the episodes, I think I, re- I watched every episode at least three or four times, at okay. least. Um, I'd say I'd give it a nine. I think that... You know, for what it was, it, it was set out to do. I think it was good. It was, it was, you know, there were those moments where there was things that were questionable. Um, I think, that, I think when I think about like, I think the only two things in the entire season <laughs> that I could really give it a mark down was Reva's motivation for killing Luke and the Leia under the trench coat. <laughs> scene. <laughs> Other than that, I think I was overall very pleased with everything that I saw. I didn't really have any major complaints with anything. So nine out of ten for me for the season. Oh, dang. So Obi Wan, the character of Obi Wan, has always been one of my favorites, um, and. As long as I can remember, whenever somebody asks who my favorite Star Wars character is, I always say it's kind of usually a tie between Boba Fett um, and uh, Obi-Wan, like the hero or villain kind of thing. Um, And um, and and Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan was a big part of my childhood. I I was definitely the prequel generation, Mm -hmm. Um, and I grew up with Obi-Wan. Um, had the one of my first action figures was uh, um, Jedi Apprentice Obi Wan. Uh, one of my first lightsabers was Qui Gon Jinn's and Obi Wan's. Um, hmm. Pretended to be Obi Wan multiple times. Always hoped for a face, facial hair like Obi Wan in Episode Two and Three, <laughs> which so it took a while, but it, I feel like it got there. Um, so. Just having Obi-Wan back into my life to that degree was just fantastic. Um, and, and for the show, I for the show's finale, 
I definitely am on board with a lot, a lot of a, a lot of our team members, and saying that it's a nine, and it's a definitely a nine episode. Um, and uh, as, um, same thing as you, Aaron. The uh, only reason why I docked it down was because of Reva's uh, motivation was a bit. Um, like she, like it was, it was very unclear. I mm-hmm. didn't kind, of, I didn't get it. Um, and I, I wish that could have been better explained. Yeah, but yeah. I, I guess I, but yeah. But for what I got, I was very well pleased. Um, for the series as a whole, um, I definitely see myself watching this one multiple times. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I can't wait to. See um, share this uh, series with other people that are coming into Star Wars um, and uh, oh, and, uh, is, and as far as uh, Disney Plus series this actually might be my second favorite compared to the first season of uh, The Mandalorian um, so I definitely will give the series a good 8.9 out of 10 so very close to a nine, but um, I, again, there are some elements like the shaky camp, some uh, story decisions um, that didn't didn't make sense at times. But it didn't hurt my experience uh, with the story, which I do believe was the characters, mm-hmm. uh, like Obi Wan, uh, Vader slash Anakin, uh, Leia, Reva. All of it. They they all it all worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I and the thing is is that if you if there was a point where you at least had fun with Star Wars, um, then it did its job well. And I still stand by that statement. And again, I definitely had fun with this, mm-hmm. and I think I will continue to have fun with this this series. Mm-hmm. So, yep. All right, so I think that wraps it up for uh, our uh, overall look at Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, I'm very happy, and uh, I'd really like to thank you guys for uh, being with us on this journey. Uh, It has been a very interesting journey, to say the least. Um, We definitely took a very long break uh, after the Book of Boba Fett, and and there was a lot of uh, hardships that kind of happened between that time. not just with me, with other people. Most of us had to move to different locations. Yeah, actually, three out of three the, out of the four. Three of us out of the four had to move. Either, either, bef- just prior to Obi Wan, or even like, like David dur- during. Did David move during Obi Wan, or no? He moved before. Yeah, he, he. Yeah, he moved before. Or, or was he moving maybe when we were like, at celebration or something? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was very close though. Yeah. But, and uh, we, and plus our viewership, and plus our viewership has gone up, and our subscriber count has gone up, um, and it's all because of you got listeners, um, and I know that Aaron, def- I, I know Aaron said in one episode that um, even if the, we had no listeners, we'd still do this because we love doing it. Um, we love talking about Star Wars, it, and and the joys that it brought us so 
And uh, we definitely are going to be doing a lot more trench run uh, stuff, whether it be podcasts or um, uh, Twitch or other pro- or other bigger projects that we would, uh, which I would really like to share, but can't at the moment. Um, but yeah, you can expect us to be around a little bit more. And plus, it uh, looks like uh, we won't have that much of a long break uh, due to, uh, I, I believe, a uh, Star Wars Celebration episode is warranted. Yes. Uh, sometime soon. Yes. Uh, to talk about uh, Aaron and, and uh, my full uh, thoughts on a, f- a full week of Star Wars Celebration. And like maybe brought, bring up uh, some uh, Star Wars Celebrations from my past. And uh, see how they compare. Um, but yeah, until then, uh, we will de- we'll definitely be getting ready for uh, Andor, which is now coming next month. So uh, def- definitely going to be pumping out a lot more content than usual, and we're going to be really happy about it. So uh, I think this is the fastest. Like it's been most of the time so since Disney Plus mm-hmm. started doing Star Wars shows, there was always like at least like almost like a year, close three, to a year gap, six months at least or more yeah. or a year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the gap was between season two of Mandalorian and Bad Batch. It maybe less than a year or was it a year? I want to say it was at least close to three to four months. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of time. Because uh, this is this is yeah. like almost back to back, like. Kenobi ends in June, ended in June, and Andor starts in August. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the last day of August, but still, it's in August. And so, I, I mean, I think this is, we are approaching the kind of, like, from a content release perspective, what I've been kind of waiting for ever since Disney took over, which is where Star Wars is just a constant thing right? mm-hmm. there's there's almost always going to be a show you know again I, I wish that there was also a steady stream of movies mm-hmm. to, to supplement that like the Marvel fans who are spoiled to, to absolute death they have like never ending movies and shows but this is exciting to be in a because I've always said I, like I have my life exists in two different realities there's my life when there's no new Star Wars content and my life when there's new Star Wars content. Mm-hmm. And like I'm t- it's almost like two different ways of experiencing life. So like to finally get to the point where Star Wars is, at least from a live action or, or Disney plot, like shows and movies perspective, is going to be so constant now for the foreseeable next year or two. Um, and I'm assuming for much longer going forward. Um, yeah, what a what a great great. This is this is, you know, other people might have other opinions, but I mean, to me, it's like this is this is peak peak time to be a Star Wars fan. We're gonna get a lot of content, and we're gonna get a lot of things to talk about and enjoy, and or maybe something some things we don't like. But mm-hmm. that's pretty exciting to me. I can't wait to 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 just have. I mean, like we were just talking even before this episode, like that it appears that Wednesdays. Starting starting on September 28th, when the first episode of Bad Batch drops, that we're going to get two Star Wars shows every Wednesday, mm. which is crazy. That's that's pretty exciting. 
So, yeah, more to come for sure. Mm-hmm. All until, right. Yeah, well, until then, uh, uh, thanks again for uh, listening. And uh, we will be uh, pumping out a lot more content. And, uh, yeah, what more can we say? May the force be with you. Always. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million.